Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Welcome to the show. It is Fresh Thinking Thursday afternoons, as you well know. You're with me, Rabbi Shishla, together till 3 o'clock. And you're welcome to weigh in at any time. Give your opinion. You can send an SMS on 34519. You can send a message via Telegram on 061-895-1019 or use social media. As everybody seems to know how to do so well at the moment. Or maybe they don't. Uh, so it's at Chai FM and at Rabashish on Twitter or it's the Chai FM Facebook page. Uh, when I say people know how to use social media, people know how to express themselves on social media. They don't necessarily know how to use it. <laughs> it's not a substitute for intelligence, although sometimes it appears to be that way. I think we'll all agree these are tough times for us as a Jewish world. Very, very disturbing imagery coming out from many locations around the world, not only in Israel under missile attack, but these horrific anti-Semitic incidents in Canada, in New York, in Los Angeles, in Golders Green in London. It, it's really, it's, 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 people I know personally in Australia it's it's really something what what's going on in the world and it's almost as if the you know the voice has been given permission has been granted almost in a sense um to, you know to allow people to throw things out and 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 say things that are absolutely unexpe- unacceptable direct hate speech and, and here we are you know it's uh, it, it's just like in your face so i think everybody will agree these are difficult times these are difficult times. And in difficult times, one of the things that is possibly the most disturbing is when there's a breakdown within the community. So you have people, obviously, the the usual suspects, people who are going to spew out anti-Semitic vitriol, and we're not surprised. We don't appreciate it. We don't, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't exonerate them just because it's not surprising. But, you know, it's, it's, it's not surprising. And we kind of know that these things are going to happen. I think what bothers us more than anything else, see, you can't even get a word in edgeways. And, and here's the thing, like I say, you know, if there, if there are people out there who have a, a, a bone to pick with the Jewish nation, well, you can join a long, long history of haters. Uh, we've seen haters come and go many, many times through our history. But the thing that disturbs us the most is when we have voices from within the Jewish community that stir up those anti-voices. So, so then what? You know, what are you supposed to do with that? And that's what I wanted to talk about today because I think we become very emotive and we respond to things from an emotional perspective for good reason because this is extremely close to our hearts. This is our own survival we're talking about. This is not a game. We're not talking over here about, you know, just some kind of low-grade political spat. This is something that goes to the core of our existence. People calling for genocide. Let's be honest. That's what's happening. It's happening in our world. And so what do you do? How do you respond if you hear voices from within the community, from within the Jewish community, that seem to um, speak the language 
Okay, listen, uh, there is there is scope within every society. If you're a member of that society and, and, and you contribute to that society, you certainly have the right to be able to criticize the leadership of that society. And by extension, if it's a country that you have an affinity to, you have the right to criticize the leadership. That's That's all fine. But some of what we're hearing and the rhetoric coming from within Jewish circles that is frankly not just a criticism of Israeli policy, but outright anti-Israel, um, anti-Israel sentiment and outright uh, enabling of, of some very dangerous narrative. How do you, how do you deal with people like that? People who perhaps you know on a personal level, people who perhaps you looked up to at some point as some kind of a role model because they represent the entertainment world or the political world or the the world of philanthropy or whatever the case might be. Perhaps it's somebody who you thought of as some kind of a hero or somebody who should have represented us better, perhaps. Let's let's put it that way. So how do you deal with them? I know some people get very, very angry and it becomes very personal. And we start to hear this, you know, this vilifying of individuals because of their views. Now, bear in mind, there are, there are principles within Judaism, how we deal with turncoats, how we deal with people who endanger the community. So I thought it'd be worthwhile to have a conversation around that. We'll try as best we can to keep the conversation objective, if that is even possible, <laughs> because it is so emotive and it is so close to home. So my question is, what do you believe is the correct approach that a person should take with fellow Jews who spread anti-Israel sentiment, especially in the current climate, especially when we see the direct link right now between what's um, anti-Israel sentiment and what's plain out anti-Semitism on the streets of cities around the world. Uh, really, really disturbing, um, disturbing imagery coming out. And by the way, I wanted to say that it, it started before all of this, before the current conflict. Um, I have kids in, in New York, in Brooklyn. And at some point last year, they were, they were advised to go out and to buy, um, tear gas, what do you call it? Um, pepper spray. Uh, because the, there were so many anti-Semitic attacks in New York City and it, 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 people felt that it was important that they should have some opportunity for self-defense. So let's be clear that it's not just the last two, three weeks or whatever that suddenly, you know, everybody is up in arms about what's going on in Israel and feels that Jews around the world are fair game. This is something that has been um, fermenting for a long time. And the minute you have a voice that is a Jewish voice that lends it any credibility – that ramps up the confidence of people who would do these things and would attack us in an unprecedented fashion. So the question is, how do we relate to these people? How should we respond to them? Love to hear your thoughts on that. Of course, as you know, there are a bunch of ways to do this. 34519 is the SMS line. 0618951019 is Telegram. And of course, there is social media, as everybody really knows these days this is fresh thinking with rabbi ari shishla you know what's interesting you know what's always interesting is the responses that you get from people are very often not what you would expect from who you get it, <laughs> it that means to say that there's a perception out there uh, 
that the more religious a person is, the more Haredi, if, uh, if you like that term. I, I personally don't like that term much because I think it's divisive. But, uh, you know, the more religious a person is, the more you expect that they'll have a hardline view, that they'll be radical in their response. And what's emerging already now by some of your comments coming through is that that is not necessarily the case. Uh, to me, it's not surprising, personally. It doesn't surprise me that people who would be deeply religiously Jewish would be the people who have a softer approach, ironically, to those who within the Jewish community seem to be turncoats, seem to be fueling a fire that has really potentially bad outcomes. So I think that's that's something interesting that we should uh, we should inquire about and explore further. So here's somebody who says it depends. My question was, what is the correct approach to take with fellow Jews who share anti-Israel sentiment? So somebody over here says it depends on how open-minded they are. They are none as blind as those who will not see. If they don't care about facts, there is little you can do or say. I think that's true for any argument, any debate. Now, we have to expect debate. We have to welcome debate. If there's anything that the Jewish community has been good at for our history, it's debate. <laughs> that's, I mean, have a look at the Talmud as an example. The entire thing from start to finish is a record of debates, and some of them quite heated, to be honest. And, and yet there's such a great lesson to learn from that, because they were able to debate in the most out, outspoken terms. Go read the Talmud and see some of the expressions that the sages use when debating with each other. And yet, at the same time, they did not allow that to interfere with their personal relationship. That's a starting point, something we should certainly consider. But this comment over here says there are none so blind as those who will not see. Now, that's true in any uh, any argument, no matter how high the stakes. There will always be people who are just intransigent, like they're not going to move. They're not going to change their opinion. Scream till you're blue in the face or, as people like to say, don't confuse them with the fact. But I don't think that changes this question at all. Because if we believe that the only path to retaining a relationship with somebody who sees things differently to us is only if we can change their view, then we have a problem because it's very often not possible. Very often you cannot change somebody's view. And so is that reason enough not to get along with them or worse to decry them, to malign them because they won't see your point of view. Is that valid? I don't know. I think that's a serious problem. If if it's all about getting people to come around and to see things from my perspective. I remember many years ago hosting at our home a group of Israelis and they came from the total spectrum of Israeli society, both in terms of their religious levels and in terms of their political views. And it was fascinating because there they were, you know, in, in Israel, there's no, there's no pandering. There's no uh, being soft in an argument, you know. They went for each other and they had such an animated debate. I, I honestly thought it would come to blows, but it didn't. And that was the amazing thing about it, in spite of the fact that they had such radically different opinions on pretty much everything that they spoke about. And they were more than happy to scream and curse each other. But at the end, they all got into the same bus. They were here as part of a group who'd come from Israel. They all got into the same bus and they all went home together. 
and they were able to accommodate the fact that they weren't going to change each other's opinions. And that's also okay. So I'm not asking if the, if the approach has to be to get them to see our point of view. That might never happen. It might never happen. And then one? And then, then what? Then what? I want to say a special welcome uh, to Jerome, who's just messaged on Telegram. First time listening to your station. Well, welcome. And I, I hope that uh, you'll tune in more often. Uh, it is most heartbreaking to see Jewish people not standing together with those defending themselves to preserve the Jewish people. Those standing against their own should consider the history of the Jews. Yes, uh, I have to, I have to say it is sad. It's absolutely heartbreaking. You know, if a person has a difference of opinion, by all means. If a person comes from a different heritage or different cultural background, by all means, you're entitled to say, listen, I don't see eye to eye with you. But just, Jerome, to add a point to your point, however, what's it, uh, 4,000 rockets plus and counting. Um, yes, so the point is this, that the, the Jewish community is, uh, is 0.02%. I'll say that again. 0.02% of the world's population. If we don't stand together, then what? Who's going to stand with us? Although I do think, thank God, we have many supporters and friends in the world. And thank God for that. Uh, here is MD on Twitter, who's uh, stirring in his answer about you. You you might feel frustrated right now. You might feel frustrated that I keep pausing in the middle of sentences, right? It might be frustrating to try to follow the thread of what we're talking about over here on the radio. I guarantee you that frustration doesn't become a fraction of a fraction of the trauma that it must be to to live in an environment where those sirens go off. You got to get your children to safety, and sometimes you have no more than fifteen seconds in which to do so if you live in the south of Israel. Just think about that for a second. Uh, MD over here on Twitter says it depends on the size of their spoon. Of course, a play on the Yiddish expression kochlefel, the idea of somebody stirring with a spoon. And, uh, you know, I think his point really is it depends on what kind of influence a person might have. There are voices out there in favor and there are voices out there against us. And I think it's a really good point. Don't engage with people who don't have a big spoon. <laughs> in other words, people who don't really have a, a, an, an impact and nobody's really listening to them. Don't give them your time and attention. It's probably good advice. The question is, what about those who do? What about those who are quickly grabbed by the, the mob and, and paraded around as you see even the Jews are saying X and Y. What do you do with that? Our question today is how is it appropriate to respond to Jewish people who incite anti-Israel sentiment? Love to hear your thoughts. Um, some nice ideas and messages coming through. You can use 3451 as the SMS line or on Telegram 0618951019. Otherwise, the usual social media channels are open. Twitter at Chai FM or directly me at Rabbi Shish and Facebook. You can use the Chai FM Facebook page. I don't know, some kind of a justification for firing indiscriminately on Jewish settlements and on Jewish cities in Israel. So how do we deal with those people? Um, it's easy, of course, as somebody said over here, to put them in Cheyram. That's what somebody's just said over here. Excommunicate them. Well, my question is, who gets to choose that? Who exactly is going to effect that 
uh, excommunication. And quite honestly, very often, if a Jewish person has those kinds of views about Israel, they may very well already not be part of the community, the mainstream community. So exactly what are you excommunicating? And is that necessarily the correct approach? I don't know if it's necessarily the correct approach. Um, here is an anonymous SMS that says, I've only got the biggest respect for the Israeli community. Definitely an example to the rest of the world never to back down. Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's Chavi on Telegram who says, sorry, I think we are our own worst enemies. And it is normally between the religious and secular. But when our own can't stand up for our own country, that is a big problem. And I know, uh, I know a few people like that, which breaks my heart. I think we all know a few people like that. And, and that's exactly the, the issue that we have to navigate over here. You know, the prophet Isaiah did say, that unfortunately, sometimes the greatest destruction of our nation comes from within our nation. Maybe it's nothing new. Maybe if we go back and we read history, we'll discover. I'm sure you know this. If you go and read the Torah, the Tanakh, the Bible, and you read more um, recent Jewish history, medieval Jewish history, contemporary Jewish history, whether it was the Kapos in the concentration camps, whether it was the Yevsektia who ratted out their Jewish colleagues to the KGB and sent people directly to the firing squad, whether it was the court Jews of medieval evil times, whether it was the advisors to uh, people who turned terribly anti-Semitic, whether it was the kings of Israel who turned on the prophets of the Jewish people. Yes, unfortunately, as uh, Prophet Isaiah says, the greatest destruction often comes from within ourselves. The question is, what should we do about it? Right? It's not as if we have a Sanhedrin in Jerusalem. If you were this way inclined and wanted to try them as criminals and and perhaps execute people. I mean, a number of people have said this, and it's a very complex subject, but I'm going to raise it because a few of you have commented about it. And that is the principle called roidef. Funny, one person over here misspelt it. Uh, but anyhow, that's irrelevant. Roidef is a very interesting principle in Judaism where effectively, if I witness, do you see what's happening here? I mean, it's it's just crazy. Honestly, it is. I can assure you now, if you're a South African listening to this, and you hear once in six months about a colleague of yours who was a victim of violent crime, you go nuts, right? You go nuts. How could this be? And we have to do something. And, and then look, look at this. How many times in the last just over a half hour, uh, it's been like close to a dozen sirens. That's violent crimes. That's worse. That's worse than a person who is held up at gunpoint by a semi-decent, because you know how it is, sometimes the criminal is semi-decent and, and actually speaks to you with respect and just says, I'm doing what I have to do kind of thing, whether or not that justifies it. Subject for another conversation. Here we're talking about indiscriminately trying to kill you. So obviously you can imagine why, and that's why I'm not going to read all the comments, because you can imagine why some people are really riled up at their fellow Jews who seem to lend a voice of credibility to this kind of quote-unquote resistance. So what should we be doing? Uh, so, oh, so I was going to say about Roydef, a number of you have mentioned the idea of Roydef, which effectively means if you are an eyewitness to a scenario where somebody threatens somebody else's life and you have the opportunity to stop them, you are entitled by Jewish law to use lethal force to stop them. And so the concept of Roydef expands to include that, that if somebody were to go to the authorities and libel the Jewish community and cause a scenario where the Jewish community could be at risk, 
That would be considered roidaif. And in the legal system, there'd actually be room to be able to take lethal action to, to, to stop them. And, and I see some people here are suggesting that that's exactly how it is when, when people speak up against Israel. Now we've got to, we've got to be like really careful about this because one thing we do know in Judaism is when we get to the conversations around who deserves to live or not, it's after you've been through many, many books of study. <laughs> it's not something for the lay person just to decide because they, uh, this person insults my emotions and therefore I'm going to respond in a particular way. I think we have to be really careful. Although uh, Chaya over here says a similar thing, that I think it depends to the extent. If they're actively stoking persecution of Jews, then I don't think the mitzvah to love your fellow Jew extends to them. And that's a good point, right? So we have to distinguish between if somebody's actually in an empowered, going back to the spoon analogy that MD said before on Twitter, if somebody actually has the power to make a difference, to actually harm Jews. Well, that's one thing. And if people, on the other hand, are perhaps just uh, liberally minded and therefore wanting to suggest, uh, you know, that, that they're also open to the, the validity of the other side of the argument, that might be a completely different perspective. So it's important. I think because emotions are running high and because these are really difficult and trying times for us as a Jewish community, it's so important that we focus ourselves and we don't get sucked up in uh, the, you know, the, the, the fisticuffs that break out whether really, you know, actually or, or uh, virtually. I'd love to hear your thoughts. 34519, that's our SMS line, 0618951019. Telegram, there's a lot happening on social media. I guess I don't have to all, I don't have to tell you um, all about that because you're using it already. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Question of the day today is, what do you believe is the correct approach to take with fellow Jews who share anti-Israel sentiment? And as I said right at the beginning, it's very interesting because you would expect that the more radical, and I use that word liberally, the more radical a person is in their Jewish observance, the more you would expect them to have a very radical view on how we deal with people who are stirring up sentiment against us. And it's emerging actually to be quite different to that. Here is Tzfat on Twitter who says it is a difficult question, especially now. Listen to what he says next. They are uneducated and mostly assimilated. There is so much anger, but God wants us to be brothers and sisters. And yes, to love in spite of ignorance. Interesting, right? And uh, like I say, you wouldn't have necessarily expected that. Here's another tweet that came through from somebody who I know to be a very strong right-wing Israeli who says the mitzvah still applies. The mitzvah meaning to love your fellow Jews yourself. Even if we as individuals are, uh, sorry, the issue is if we as individuals are able to fulfill it. How do you like that, right? Um, here we go. Uh, United says on Twitter, of course, you can love them without loving their point of view. I always think of the sport analogy, you know, play the ball, not the man. We are able to distinguish between, um, well, we should be able to distinguish at least between the person and their views. Maybe it's something that we have to do, like it or not, in the rabbinate, right? Because much of the time we're dealing with people who have very strong views. And very often they are views that are completely opposed to our own views on a whole range of things. And it's one of the most important things to be able to distinguish between the person and the views that they hold. Especially, as Tzfat says over here on Twitter, um, especially... 
the um so somebody just said something i have to decide whether or not to share it uh <laughs> so where were we talking about the fact that yeah you got to distinguish especially if you are somebody who believes in the torah and you're somebody who believes in judaism then you believe in the fact that we're all family so you don't get to choose your family you don't get to choose your family and you're going to have people in your family and you're going to have people who are part of your community who do things and say things that you think are outright bad and are outright harmful and are outright ridiculous. And that doesn't give you license to hate those people. I think that's really important. In fact, you know, when you when you see this, this kind of misguided, I, I think that's what it is a lot of the time, is this misguided position where people are perhaps afraid to say something lest they be construed as some kind of a radical. You know, you, you, there, here's a saying. Here's a saying to consider. There's a saying that says that there are certain people that, that law, the Jewish law, the Torah law says, Ein merachamin alehen. That you are not allowed to show them compassion. That's the law. You're not allowed to show them compassion. Now, one of the axioms of Judaism is that you're supposed to live beyond the law. If I need an excuse to behave in a particular way, if I want, as quite a number of people have suggested over here, uh, like I said, I'm not reading every single comment because some of them I think are a little bit too uh, controversial perhaps for the airwaves. But people are saying excommunicate. Okay, so I have the law to fall back on. If I decide that this is a particular Jewish person who is damaging the Jewish world and I want to excommunicate them, I can, I can go back and, and, and invoke the law. But there's a principle called beyond the letter of the law. And there's an old Hasidic saying which says that if you encounter somebody about whom the law says, that they should not be shown compassion. So there's a Hasidic thought that says, can you imagine then how much compassion they deserve? In other words, can you imagine if somebody is so removed, so disconnected, so um, caught up in, in an unhealthy, toxic environment that they don't deserve our compassion, then surely such a person deserves compassion. Something to think about. You know, the Torah does tell us that there's a mitzvah to love and to hate at the same time. How do you do that? You love the person and you hate what they have come to represent. You hate where they have uh, gotten caught up. It's like a, a parent of a drug addict. You never stop loving your child, but boy, do you hate that addiction. Boy, do you hate that substance. That's how we're supposed to be. We don't hate, we're not supposed to at least, hate people because of their perspective, as objectionable as that perspective is. But boy, can we hate that perspective that we're entitled, that we're absolutely entitled to do, to hate the person's uh, perspective. Okay, uh, here's an interesting one. This is Ellie on Twitter who says... Ellie on Twitter says that given that there is so much of the conflict today as a result of a lack of love, perhaps that should be something for which we go the extra mile nowadays. I think it's a very valid point. You know, whenever we see that there is conflict in an environment, the appropriate approach and response to that conflict is to generate more love, more positivity um, in a place of darkness. The objective is to shine light. In a place of conflict, the objective is to show love. And I'm not for one second saying that we should tolerate inappropriate uh, perspectives. That for sure not. I think one of the most important things that 
is required is clarity. You know, when everything gets grayed over and fudged over and, and, and everything is blurred and, and everybody's like, you know, speaking in generalizations, that's no good. We have to be clear and unequivocal about truths. We have to. That's part of our responsibility and part of our obligation as Jewish people to speak the truth, or as people like to say in today's world, to speak truth to power. It's not necessarily uh, always so fun and so popular, yes. But at the same time, that's what we have to do. And the truth is sometimes a little nuanced. Sometimes the truth could be, and, and very often the truth is, what you're saying is absolutely false, but the truth of who you are is that I will not reject you because I reject what you're saying. People totally underestimate to what extent we hide behind labels, we hide behind social media, and we're able to attack each other without any sense of the real impact on the fact that that's another human being on the other side. And if we could connect as people to make a huge, huge difference, I think that's something we should be considering. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So much to unpack over here and so much to talk about over here. Uh, Martin has sent an SMS to say, remember that an average of at least 20 white South Africans have been butchered every day for the past 30 years. Spare a thought for them as well. I think uh, we, one thing I don't want to do, really don't want to do, is uh, start making the distinction here in South Africa between um, who's, you know, what, what race has been butchered. I think the reality is that we have, unfortunately, in this country, terribly high crime levels. And quite frankly, I, I wish that the leadership of this country would, would address it <laughs> as, as uh, enthusiastically as we can address problems that happen on the other end of the world because it's easier, right? It's far it would be nice. Mike says, to understand the Jewish death penalty, first understand the law of the wayward son, which is almost impossibility. Not quite sure exactly how that fits in. Javi says it is scary when you have these sirens going off all the time and you have family all over Israel. Yes, absolutely. Tell me about it. We have family all over Israel. We have family in the south, very, very much in the, um, in, in the target of these rockets. Uh, it's very, very frightening. So uh, I guess we've got to kind of wrap this up with some kind of a take-home. I think we shouldn't be naive. That's important. Don't be naive and think that if there are educated people out there who are choosing to empower our enemies, that we should just uh, embrace them and say, that's okay, it's fine what you do. There are community structures, and community structures have every right to say, sorry, um, but we cannot accept you within our community structures if you're going to take that particular position. Having said that, the vast majority, in my view, the vast majority of, of people in the Jewish community who are speaking out in the way that they are, spreading the rhetoric that they are at the moment, are simply uninformed, really, just uh, ignorant. And I don't just mean uninformed of history. The vast majority, 99% of people who weigh in on the Israel conflict are ignorant of 99% of the history and the context that's just unfortunate. That includes some of the leading uh, voices in the world, be they political or journalistic. Unfortunately, somewhere along the way, it's become part of American Jewish society that to be Jewish means to take up the cause of every single liberal sounding movement that exists. And I think it's, it's a terrible pity that people are just simply uneducated as to what it means to be Jewish, what it means, what Israel means to us. And I think we have to reach out. I really do. I think we have to reach out to people and connect with them and show them that we do not separate them from the community because of their views. 
although we totally reject those views. And perhaps if we were a little bit more inclusive and a little bit more one-on-one, -on -one, connecting with people individually without attacking, who knows? Who knows what kind of a, 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 an outcome we'd have? The mitzvah to love your fellow Jew remains. The mitzvah to reprimand your fellow Jew over a mistaken approach and philosophy also remains. Uh, look, it's been a it's been a heavy time and it's a, been a heavy conversation. I, I really respect all of the opinions that have come in, even though I did not share all of them on the air. And I really hope that we're able to sit without this constant barrage of rockets. For us, it's just a noise that disturbs the conversation. For Israelis, it really is an attack on their lives. Please, God, we should see peace in the Holy Land. And that will bring absolutely guaranteed peace to the world. We hope and pray for the coming of Moshiach. That's really the solution. That's really the ultimate peace. May it happen sooner than any of us imagine. In the meanwhile, have a great Shabbos. Stay safe and stay sane.